Ah, September's arrived, the leaves are, well, still green where I'm at, and it's still hot as hell, but we're on the ice again. It's NHL training camp, we're excited to bring it to you. This week's episode is brought to you by the Colorado Avalanche Absolute Warehouse of Spare Parts. Need a tweener at any position? You name it. And as long as it isn't a goalie, we've got you covered. Let's get after it. Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. And scores! Nathan McKinnon! Oh, Captain! My Captain! Do you know the way to San Jose? President Chip Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the first episode of Burgundy Radio for the 2019-2020 season. Off-season pods are over, and we've got a few days of training camp to cover. Who's making the October cut, preseason to preview, and hey, maybe you should finish signing your players. But before we play the whoosh, say hello to Earl. Hello, folks. Say hello to Jackie. Greetings. And sticking with us when he can, despite his new digs at BSN, say hello to Rudo. I'm trying to get on all the pods. We'll see how we do. We are coming at you early in the evening, Sunday, September 15th. Miko Ranson has still not been signed as of right now. So if it happens during the recording, we'll talk about it. If it doesn't, we'll speculate about it later. So if that's the news you're here for, as of right now, listener, you know more than us. But the Avalanche have had their rookie showcase... And they've gotten into training camp, and it's time to gear up for the preseason, which is where we gear up for the regular season, which is where we gear up for the playoffs now, I guess. Expectations for the team are a conversation for another episode, but it's safe to say they have some now. But as usual, you have to start with the beginning, and that was earlier this month, the Rookie Showcase in Anaheim. A lot of the excitement was around a first look for one Bowen Byram, who you may have heard of. But maybe more interesting is Connor Timmons' first action since being out with a concussion, Talk to me about the weekend he had, especially in context of missing a whole year. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that he got on the ice and in a competitive game is a win for him. But beyond that, he looked pretty good, particularly when he was paired with Byram. The two of them together were, were better than they were individually. So it's an interesting situation for Timmons this year, but... You have to be happy with what he's done at this point. Yeah, I thought he looked great. Um, the, <clears throat> the Avalanche look, rookies look great in the first game, and it, it turns out that Vegas was the worst team in the tournament, so maybe there's a little bit of that going on. But um, I, I think that was a, a good way for them to get over the jitters of, of coming back into camp for some of the returnees and, and being there for the first time for our, all the new pros and the invites who actually weren't in that game. Um, but that, you know, that really showed off Byram well. Um, Timmons, I was a little worried about the fact that they kind of put him on the bench after the game was a little out of reach, but he really looked great in the first period. I mean, he was the Avs' best defenseman in that period, and he did a lot of the things that, you know, we're kind of hoping that he will come back to after missing a year. He was moving the puck really well. Um, he and Byram had some amazing chemistry together. I mean, they were making great passes off each other. Like, you know, 
the first game in a rookie camp before training camp even starts. That's, you know, it, it's pretty amazing that you could have a chemistry like that right off the bat. And for some context, the showcase was really strange. Like, they played their best lineup in the first game, and like Earl said, they won that game pretty handily. The second game, they decided to play a lot of the invites, and they just got trashed by L.A. And then the third game, and Timmons did not play in the second game. And then the third game, um, Timmons and most of the lineup was in. Byram wasn't. And it was like an Eagles game. It Slow, grindy, no offense. So... Well, I mean, so the, the rookie Avs ended up going 1 for 19 on the power play in this tournament. Yeah. And 0 for 16 <laughs> in the last two games. So... If you're looking for a red flag, that might be it. But <laughs> it's very as as, Eagles on brand, though. It, it is, unfortunately. But the the hope is there that maybe Timmons can help that out a little bit in the regular season. But right, but Timmons... and if if you're going to do something to your power play, the last thing you're going to do is install it for this tournament. So I'm not I'm not worried about it yet. Um, it did look familiar. I think a lot of the problems I saw were with zone entries. They weren't able to do the back pass, which I know we don't all don't like, but um, it, it is effective, and, and you do miss it when you don't have it. They kept just trying to bull rush, um, you're trying to find weak spots at the blue line, and you know it's just really tough for them to get in there and set up. So um, I'll throw some of that as the uh, the reasoning, but you know you, you really didn't have a lot of finish either. But Timmons specifically, for me, I think not only was it good to see him, but I don't think you, you could quite tell that he had missed that much time. I think that was the really encouraging part. And you could see the good parts of his game, the talent that he has, the, the way he can move the puck, his vision. He's got good hands. And he wasn't shying away from hits either. You know, that's, I think that's more important even. He didn't I mean, really take a big one yet, so it's it's kind of sort of been friendly. He got smoked a little bit in the first period, I thought, but you know. So that'll he, be the big test, and he might not get it until he plays probably in the AHL. But yeah, just um, for context, at least with Byram and Timmins, the defense the Avs brought to that tournament; those are the only two guys that mattered. <laughs> And yeah. so you take what you will from that, but Timmons did look like he belonged as one of the guys that mattered. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Definitely. Davis was the most experienced defenseman there. I mean, that's all you need to know. Timmons definitely looked like one of the, the better players there. For me, I don't know if it's rust or that always was sort of his game for me that he has these blunders every once in a while. And it's like he's super solid most of the time, and then every once in a while he just kind of has like a, a brain farty blunder, and it, that might just be kind of who he is. But also certainly because he still needs to adjust fully and all that, and I understand. So that's how I feel about how he did. Because I only saw the the first game. I don't know if he even played in the third game because that was held during work hours. Um, and it sure was. And, and sure, the, <laughs> he did. The, the second game I kind of looked at, but didn't pay a lot of attention to for the reasons that that y'all have already kind of mentioned. Um, but I, it's hard to know how much of that first game was maybe him being carried by Bo and Byram, and how much of it was just he looks good and normal. And it was really important for him to come back 
from missing extended time with a concussion and and look like a normal player and not like somebody who's still feeling things out and just having well, if anything he was enabling byram at least in the first period and then for probably the a good part of the second um you know he was the more defensive guy of that pairing um which is you know i, I think that's kind of what you expect i think with Byroom going from juniors to, I know this isn't really pros, and there are a lot of amateurs and and younger guys, but you know it's definitely a step up as far as pace and level of play. And you know, for a guy like that, the offense is going to come quicker than the defense. And I think Timmons was a good compliment to him. There. So, um, what what about Byron himself? By- Byron, what about Byron himself? Um, when when he was kind of tasked with solo carrying the entire defense in the second game, um, and just kind of the whole weekend in general. It's he's an interesting guy. When he has the puck on his stick, he believes he's the best player on the ice, and he plays like it, and it shows. When he's off the puck. That's where you see some of those rookie issues start to creep in with him. And for an 18-year-old kid, first time playing things like this, I thought he was very good. Obviously, game one, fantastic. Second game, a little bit more pedestrian, but still solid. Yeah, and they only had one practice to install any kind of defensive system. So it's not like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys were wondering what they were supposed to be doing in the defensive zone. The second game, if anything, I'd say he was trying to do maybe a little bit too much, but when you see who was around him, I really can't blame that. And then you you wish that they could have scored on the power play. They did get a lot of chances there, but uh, that that's also up to the forwards to finish, and nobody was finishing. So I feel like he ha- he's been aggressive. He loves to pinch down. He loves to carry the puck, like you said. He just hasn't been shooting as much as I think he can, and... So maybe he's put that part a little bit on the back burner, but I think, and we'll get into camp later, but he's been very solid. He's He's been impressive. I don't, I don't think there's really been a time you can say he hasn't been. Yeah, and then, you know, there wasn't a lot of forward experience or talent available. I, I mean, I thought uh, Kalt, Bowers, and Henry were, were fantastic. Um, they played I think together Brzean, online. Yeah, <laughs> they sure did. Um, and and in the second game, Luca Brazan took Kout's place, and you know wasn't as good. But I, I thought Brazan did, you know, fairly well. He actually he impressed me the most of guys, you know. And I'll say this in the context of guys that I, you know, wasn't too sure about going in. Like I, I knew that that Bowers and Hustle Hank and stuff like that. Um, you know, guys like Mutala and Berzan, I wasn't as familiar with. And you know, this is my first look at them, you know, sort of in, in a live context. And I, I like Berzan's game a lot better than I thought I would. I think all three, Bokaj, Berzan, and Mutala, have, they've definitely shown their age, and we know Berzan's a little bit older, but yeah, they, they're definitely raw and green, but there's talent there, so you can just see. For me, I can just see that Mutal is going to have a great year. Bokaj had a great year last year. I'm sure he'll have another one. And Burzan was very good in the WHL as well. 
So it's just just a little bit too soon for those guys, but I I think they showed some things that they were capable of. I know Mutala's had a lot of mistakes, but I also think he showed the talent too. Honestly, it's just nice that we have some non-NCAA players to actually come and play in the thing. <laughs> yeah. But back to the big line, I guess you could say the Bowers, Cout, and Henry line. That that line looked pretty promising, and it's disappointing that it wasn't kept for training camp. I'm hoping it'll make an appearance in preseason because I think each of those guys hasn't been as good apart from each other. And of course, this was rookie competition, but I think the Eagles desperately need to find lines and players that have chemistry together. And I think it's going to do a huge disservice if they ignore something that seem to have actual offensive potential. I think the one of that group that surprised me the most was Nick Henry. Um, I don't think I've ever really had a chance to really see him play before, um, because I'm, as I have made very clear on the show, I'm not a person who goes out and seeks out prospect tape or watches uh, the AHL or junior. Um, basically, if, unless I'm at a game. Um, so this is my first experience watching Hustle Hank, and he was everywhere. Like, he did everything. Yeah. Uh, he's he's an amazing shot generation machine. Um, and that's, you know, the, the Eagles were, they could generate shots last year sometimes. Like, they would have a, you know, a 45-shot game than a 25-shot game. It was very inconsistent. But that's... You know that that's really what he does, and it's just something he's got a gift for. And I, I that's I think that's something that if you can count on a guy like that, it makes it a lot easier to sort of design your offense and practice that way. But I also think he's a complimentary guy still, so you have to put him with the right players. Yeah. It's... And in a position to generate offense. Right. I don't think he's a play driver. He's a play finisher. No. Yeah. And where he separates is he also runs around, plays hard, can function in the defensive zone. So you can put him in that role on a line. It frees up someone like Martin Kaut. Maybe doesn't have to play quite as effectively on the defensive end. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's why that line works, because... All three can play competent defense, but when they're not the one that has to do all of it, then they each can chip in on the offensive side, too. Well, it also means the coaching staff doesn't have to be really particular about matchups with them. If they can function against better competition as a unit, then you know you don't have to worry about putting them against a second or even a first line of the opponent. And, and I, I think that's the key to getting them a lot of ice time. Well, I will say, too, that line... And, and this traveled down to the second line of, of some lesser players as well. But in that first game, their forecheck was just fun to watch. Oh, yeah. They dominated on the forecheck, and it was impossible for Vegas to break out. I think this and is was, where we got to give a shout-out. everyone did it, too. We got to <laughs> give a shout-out here to Ty Lewis, though. He came with the purpose in, in the rookie showcase. And he was yeah. part of that really good forecheck. Yeah, he and O'Connor together. I mean, you know, say what you will about O'Connor having lots of his points shorthanded or what have you last year, but 
when you have Lewis and O'Connor's speed available on the four check, that really puts pressure on opponents. And then that was, you know, just sort of projecting that to the AHL season. That's that's very promising. Pretty much the only other story in rookie camp or rookie camp rookie showcase worth uh, worth paying any attention to was some new faces tending the goal. Um, so I, was there much to take away from the the games that uh, that Miner et al had? Well, Miner had the toughest game. He he started that game where there wasn't much in front of him. I, I'd say he had the toughest showcase, but I wouldn't I mean, really I- pin it on him, even though he might have had a couple that he'd want back. But given his age and the position he was put in, I wouldn't say it was disappointing at all. And Miska played half a game. He was just there on an emergency basis because whatever happened to Werner wasn't available for a couple days. And then Werner only gave up one goal in his game. So maybe you could say that he's the one that did the best. And the second goal was they had pulled him. So I don't even know why they credited him with the goal against. So I thought he was pretty solid. Yeah, I I thought, I mean, Miner in the first game, he had a lot more work than Miska did. Like the... The Knights really didn't get any shots on goal on Miska in the half game that he played. I mean, they had a couple of good chances towards the end of the first, but that was about it. And Miner did see a lot more shots in that game, and and I thought he played comparatively well or even better. Um, But it's just, you know, it's good to see that Miska is sort of what we thought he was. Um, You know, Miner's promising, and, I, you know... Werner had a, you know, by all accounts, a really good game in, on Tuesday. So, yeah, Yay. Werner is the most interesting one because he's the closest to the Avs by by a good margin. And what was he's great more, about he's his the game, most important one, <laughs> yeah, right, fair. What he was so calm in net is what I really liked about him, and and that's going to be his play style. He's a big body. He's not going to move laterally that well. He needs to get into his angle and get set, and halfway through that game, he seemed perfectly comfortable doing that on NA ice. Granted, for him, this is probably a bit lower competition, but it's a good place to start for him. Yeah, I think the takeaway there is Werner and Miska should be more than a fine tandem for the AHL. Yeah. If if they're not good enough, then you know you're having defensive problems that that should make it so that they are good enough. <clears throat> but that was kind of the whole reason that that's a storyline worth watching because that that is your AHL goaltending tandem. There's really no backup plan um, apart from random PTO to Billy goaltender. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think it's promising enough. You know, I, I think it's something that we're basically going to have to wait till the end of at least October to be able to really evaluate. Or longer. Um, but it was just kind of an awkward showcase from what I saw. There was a lot of talent mismatches, like even just within rosters. Like you would see the good abs play the bad knights, and then the bad abs play the good ducks, and or their kings, it was, like, or it was who it was. Like just, just kind of some mismatchy stuff, so... Um, it's really easy to take too much from that weekend, but uh, you can yeah, definitely I mean, I think learn this... from play styles and who works well together. 
I, I mean, I honestly think that it was good that they got the win out of the way right off the bat, and that that might have been their plan right all along, is, is they kind of knew that the first game was important and maybe Vegas was one of the weaker opponents. So go out there and, and you know, go for it in that game. And the rest of it, they were really evaluating guys individually, I think. I, I just I don't think they cared as much about the results in the, in the second I, third game. I'm not a fan of punting the second game. I... I understand you invited these guys. You're gonna, you need to give them a game, but I don't agree with giving them all the same game. I, I don't mean, see how you can evaluate when you're playing poorly. Look, this whole showcase was run by the Eagles coaching staff. If, if we're being real, this was more of an AHL tryout than it was anything to do with the NHL. Yeah. Maybe, but got, but they have the whole front office there. They have Bednar there. They take into account this kind of the camp kind of stuff a lot like it this is what they base their entire year's worth of decisions on so anytime they're on the ice these guys are watching it's a competitive environment i'm glad they play games because i don't see how you can evaluate these players without seeing them in a game situation but it's tough when you're putting certain guys behind the eight ball yeah, I can I can kind of get behind that idea too. Like if, if you're trying to evaluate your tryouts, but you're probably playing them in a if that's all you're playing, then you're playing them in a role above what they would normally be expected to contribute. So, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of worthwhile to well see what you got, but if if you're, if you're over your head, then you're over your head. If if you erase the scoreboard and you erase what's going on around individual players, should you really be taking anything but the process of what a player is doing in early September? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were trying to, I mean, I, I think the NHL guys were looking at this like, all right, you know, who who's playing well? They're, they're getting a look at probably, you know, Cout, Bowers, Henry, O'Connor, you know, a few other guys that they really wanted to look at as far as, you know what what's what they're going to look like going into NHL camp and the rest of it you know pretty much was an AHL kind of tryout but for guys like Bocage and Mutala this this is part of their resume this is part of what is going to get them signed or not and obviously they have a whole nother year but they also have this camp i mean i, I think what they're doing now well, is probably I mean, come on, a larger NHL impression camp. of what happened Damn. An NHL camp with forty some guys on the ice—they're not looking at Mutala. And someone is. There's they're like looking at guys the... up in that little triangle watching everything. <laughs> they can't tell which one's Mutala. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, all they know is don't watch red. All they know, they know is watch the guys probably, in red. That's probably why it's color coded. It's like burgundy and blue. Ignore everybody else. <laughs> yeah training camp did get underway this week uh the usual structure is for day one to be pure sadism as bedner tries to kill his players <laughs> with skating drills and then once they've proven their loyalty he deems them worthy of teaching systems and practicing them for a few more days so is that what we've seen this year oh he loves to do the skating at the end when everyone's tired already and then they have to do the skating drills <laughs> So it's about an hour practice with each group. There's two groups. They split the camp into minus the few guys that are injured or have been absent. So they weren't playing, but it's basically two groups. 
they have different colors for the the forward lines which are very set and specific so you can see what the abs are thinking about organizationally with each guy what slot they see them in and then the d's all wear black but they're they're paired up in drills so you can see what pair each guy's on and then uh, two of the three days then when they were done with their hour-long practice then they do their skating test because you know they want to make sure they do it when they're the most exhausted so <laughs> that's camp pretty much i feel like in full disclosure i did not go to sunday's practice but i did go on friday and saturday and i feel like the camp this year has been different in a way that they've they've done more full ice more five four and five man unit more you could say for fans entertaining because it's more open it's skating it's more skill based more passing they used to spend like an hour just on like four checks stuff or stuff in the corner that's what would get boring because it would get slow and they would do the same thing over and over again but this year they they haven't done any of that really and they focused a lot on the transitions the breakouts things like that and what they uh, what they want to do on their entries they're focusing a lot on that too so um the days that i saw and i think today also because they even did a little bit of scrimmaging which is miraculous is um, they're really focusing on that full game kind of camp, which I feel like is a new thing for them. Yeah, I wanted to ask you too, since you were there, did it feel more like that they were, instead of you know really installing the basics of a system, that they were more honing what they've worked on over the past two years? I don't know because there's so many new guys. And yeah, um, I could see maybe some... Some of each, some of that he's focusing a lot on the breakouts and zone entries, which we know are a focus in the league now is something very important in transition is a big (laughs) big foundation of what the abs do. So I think that that could be driving kind of the focus on really getting that that part correct. I know on the second day that Kadri and Don Squad had a long talk with Bednar after their session because I think they wanted to understand a little bit more of exactly where to go on the entry I think is what they were asking him so then maybe you could say maybe he's not spending the time to really drill the specific part of the system in that manner but so I'd say some of each I think it's a new focus but also right like do you really need to waste your time on the one half of the team that has been around going back to step one. So uh, we're about to talk about who looks good and bad at this training camp. And this is not the same as who looks good in game action. Um, I saw some of y'all talking about this earlier today in a different context. So when you're watching a player in camp, what sort of things are you looking for as positives and what sort of things tend to fool people? You need to show consistency, I think, is the most important thing. Consistency of skill. Going 110% is great. There are players that do that. There were plenty of players that did that here. But when you're going 110% in a drill and 
that's what it takes for you to look good. Guess what? Nathan McKinnon's out there going 40% and he just dangled right through you and sniped. <laughs> so it, it, you need to look for the skill and, and what skill shines through and not a, oh, okay, on a three-on-none drill, he went bar down. It's okay, this guy has scored four goals in a row. Okay, now it's five, six, seven. When they start doing things consistently, consistently that's something you can rely on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, think... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I think for me, like, I, I agree about the try-hard thing. I think it's important if you're a new player coming into the team that you're able to sort of rise to the level that, that everyone else is at and maybe even you know, be a little bit more try-hard-ish. Um, you know, not not to be a brown nose to the coach or anything like that, but it's you know that the the guys that are coming in, even if they're established players like Kadri and Donskoy, you know they they need to show that they're engaged and that you know they they have that level. You know, maybe some of the vets on the ABS aren't. And we know uh, Bedner likes try hard a lot, so I I don't completely discount it because. I feel like the guys that have that will catch his eye. And I feel like an AHL or like Megna, he might be the one of all the kind of new fringe guys that that he's going to be impressed with because of the try hard. But you get a reaction out of the crowd. Some guys go down on a three on one or two on one and shoot it right at the goalie's chest. And you get a you get a cheer from the crowd because it <laughs> you know it looked like something was gonna happen. And then you're like, well, nothing happened, really. <laughs> and like Bruno said, you know, it, it's a drill. It's, you know, scoring a goal isn't like, hey, you scored a goal in a game. But when a guy is having a day where he's consistently able to execute, score goals and drills, which is also a function of, of putting everything together from the skating, the shooting, the passing, everything... So then you say this guy's having a good day. He's being noticeable. He's executing. For, and I, I look for the consistency too. Like everybody's going to mess up a drill at some point. You're not looking for perfection, but you're looking for somebody that nine times out of 10 did the right thing where the pass is crisp on target. And, and then you can see the pace of certain guys. You know, when, when you have like Gerard and Makar out there, as a pair compared to like when you see some of the AHL guys and you see how often their passes missed or how often they have to go get the puck again. It's just, it's, it's a different level and you can kind of see the level that certain guys are at. I, I will say intelligence is a factor too. Matt Calvert is very good at what he does, but sometimes his answer to doing the drill better is just do it harder. (laughs) And you'll see, guys, you guys mentioned Kadri and Donskoy talking to Bednar. Makar did it the first day as well, where he does a drill. It doesn't feel right. He goes and talks to the coach and is like, what should I do better? And then you see him run it again, and it looks much smoother and much cleaner. And that type of improvement is what you should be looking for. Or you can see certain groups go out there, and you can see what, what the coach wants. Like, even though I can't hear or see what he's doing on the whiteboard, when you see like the NHL players do, you see what they want, and then sometimes you see the other guys, and you're like, okay, that that isn't quite what 
the execution, like Bedner really stresses execution and things like that. So I guess it's a function of seeing a lot of camps over and over again to kind of get the idea of what matters and what doesn't because right. you can see Matt Nieto. <laughs> yeah, he looks like his top six player every camp. It's like the, the established NHL players all have that crispness to their game and and they all have a certain level of skill because well they're nhl players even though they're bottom six guys in the real game you see like hey they actually had to have some skill to even get there yeah and i like that like i said the way they've done it this year is more game type so you can see more hockey iq you can see more of the full package together. A lot of times when they're doing a lot of grindy technical stuff, it's hard because certain guys really need a game to show their intelligence and not just right. flash and like a drill. You need like I mean, a game to shoot yeah, the or a goal. There are absolutely people on the other side of the coin too. Guys that do not look good in drills, but just are great in game situations. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, of course. All right, so before yeah, think... we uh, ask about specific dudes, with with all that kind of in mind, um, let's start with, from those of you who have seen some of camp, so not me, who stood out to you either in a good way or a bad way? Well, the number one guy through the three days of camp that we've seen so far for me is Donskoy, far and away. He has much better hands than I was expecting and goal-scoring ability as well. Not only that, instant chemistry with Nazem Kadri. The guy just looks like money. I, I don't know how you keep him off the second line if this continues through the preseason. That's pretty I, cool because that's that's kind of what I expected. Um, yeah, I, I I thought he was more of a lock for the top six than Burkowski. I, they really seem like they want to give Burkowski the the opportunity first, but I guess, I mean, I guess should. if Miko shows up, <laughs> Wilson becomes a real player. You know, we say this every camp. Where's Colin Wilson? I will so. say watching the new guys is super fun. Kadri can is. handle in a phone. Book. <laughs> it is. I think all the new guys have, have had a good camp. I would say I, I'm a little reserved on the Donskoy just because I know how guys like Nieto look. I think, I think having a camp type atmosphere is, helps Donskoy, but I, I certainly cannot disagree that he's looked good. He definitely has, and and you're right. If he looks that good with Kadri, that's something they need to start the season with because that's the entire point of all of this. Like if you find guys that have that have worked together played together for several weeks when you get to that point and they have chemistry and it works you're gonna go with that and you're just gonna have to work in the other guys and uh, in other ways if, if they're not there and they or they're not on the ice you know it's, it's kind of tough and you do kind of have to put the players in boxes right you kind of put the new guys together you put the Avs top players together. Of course, McKinnon and Landeskog looked good, but that's not a surprise to anyone. <laughs> so they should. <laughs> right. yeah, that's, that's not a standout. Exactly. So when you're going down the lineup 
this is kind of how I like try to pick out who stood out to me is is something unexpected a lot of the time, and that's what Donskoy was for all three days. To be honest, if you're looking at more individual days or or, or certain skills, and this goes for this particular case, the rookie tournament as well. Honestly, Shane Bowers looks like the Avs' best prospect at these things. I don't like his line that he's on. The, the days that I saw, I, I certainly don't think he's been not good. I just, I don't like the line yeah. that he was on the two days that I saw. If, if the game situation it was today... better. It was really, way, yeah. way better today. I agree. The first two days of camp, he was kind of just a guy. But the third day in the scrimmage... Bowers was all over the place. He was feeding really well off of Bocage, actually. Okay, and, I could see that. Bocage, I think it's well, had, he's young, but he's had some good moments. It, it was interesting because it was actually player. the reverse. Bocage was feeding him hmm. instead of the other way around. But but Bowers was really, really driving play to a level that I was not ready for. He was carrying pucks. His skating was strong. He was going wide and beating people. He's. I really like him. We'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think we're all fans I, of Bowers yeah. here. So that. All right. So, just so since I wasn't there it, on Friday, it was supposedly Lewis and uh, Bowers and Jolie. Um. So did that change? Did did Bocage move up to that? And and was it different? Well, it, was it was that just random? Everything kind of just got mashed together, yeah, yeah. for yeah. the scrimmage. Yeah, okay. is moving up even really kind of the right way to frame that? Because it sounds kind of like everything's just kind of been mashed. Well, right. these, the lines are very specific. I don't think the lines have changed. Like, they put them in the colors and they have them all do the same, pretty much the same drills. Like, sometimes there's a little four-on-four four where you don't maybe don't have all the forwards, but it's been very specific and it's been racked. And they also go in order too, a lot of times. So it's it's pretty obvious to see the hierarchy, the pecking order. So Bocage was in red, which was the lowest line in each group. Red so, is bad. Yeah. So red if is he's dead. gotcha. And, and in the rookie <laughs> camp, they had the five invites in red on one line. That lets you know how excited <laughs> they were for that. So. Five-person like, line? That's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, also, also looking at uh, Friday's lines that the Abs put out, it, it was Nieto Comfer and, and Colin Campbell, the AHL PTO dude. Um, yeah. And was... that became Nichushkin today. It did. Yeah. And to be honest, then, that's still just a placeholder for Wilson. But That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it looked like Campbell was a placeholder for Nichushkin, who's a placeholder for Willie. So, I was so, a little curious when Campbell rolled out on that line, which was the quote-unquote second line of that group. Yeah. But I was like, oh, no, are they really thinking of this guy as, as a PTO? Like, why is he with the NHL players? But that he I mean, moved... he's never played an NHL game, so I don't think he's like a PTO <laughs> for the Avs. Well, he, this is the Avs. He, he, you <laughs> never know. Where... They, they love... Love guys from other organizations. He's 28. He's, he's, even they're not that mad. And they love doing <laughs> weird stuff. Like, for example, this is the first time that anyone has said Nachushkin on Burgundy Radio. <laughs> Who? Maybe it can be the last time, too. <laughs> that, would be, that would be acceptable. Um, the Avalanche signed Valerie Nachushkin. 
of zero goals in like 60 some games with Dallas yesterday or last year yesterday okay last year um fam and it was for what was it was it a million for a year something like that less than that yeah what what hey as of yesterday he he still had zero goals he basically got the yak contract for the year and uh we we, that that's about all you can say for it (laughs) he's correct for something but i'm not sure for what and why (laughs) i will say colin wilson is not even skating yeah um, because Bedner said he had lower they body called soreness. it lower body tightness. Oh, but yeah. Like Ian Cole is skating after double hip surgery, so is lower body tightness. And that's the thing. All right, Asian? so over the summer we kind of heard that. <laughs> see, we kind of heard over the summer that Wilson had hip problems, and now we find out it, it was a sh- he had soldier, shoulder surgery, <laughs> and maybe maybe hip problems as well. So. <laughs> You know, the leg the shoulder. Yeah. The old leg shoulder. <laughs> I I think he's missed every camp. The three <clears> years <throat> now he's been here, hasn't he missed every camp, or at least a portion of it? I mean, yeah, he was at least skating that first year, but he was on his own. And That's, you gotta yeah. wonder about guys that somehow always seem to not be in camp. Well, but now we're, we're, we're used to it with camp. Wilson. I mean, it's like we know that basically he's going to be an empty suit until maybe March. So. Yeah. Wilson's job is to save his energy, bide his time, and then when the playoffs start, destroy his body on the ice. And then yep. he has to heal until next, like, November. Exactly. So Keeping I, that, that stick that, on the ice is tough work, huh? That's true. I, that's true. I don't he think it's no actually a bad thing that if he's on back. IR until December or he, beyond. You might as well just stay away till Miko comes back because that's the only thing you can do is, <laughs> is, is play with Miko, put his stick on the ice, and go to the net. Well, it may be nice to have that extra roster spot open, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we we kind of briefly referred to. Um, Donskoy versus Burakovsky as a in the context of like who is on Kadri's wing if you don't just put both of them there. How has Burakovsky looked this week? I think he's fit in with McKinnon and Landeskog. I don't think he's flashed quite as much as Donskoy did, but he seems to bring an element to that line. He seems like he's going to be a shooter and I think he has some chemistry with McKinnon starting. So if that's how they have to start the season, I think it could work. We'll see how it looks in a game, but I've I've been encouraged. I think it, it he's been a positive. But obviously playing on that line, there's going to be a lot of expectations, but I don't mind it at this point. All right, I mean is he better than Kerfoot? He's so different. Totally than different. Kerfoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know. To say. He's it's the funny cuz I of Kerfoot. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of it, like funny because I watched the Winnipeg too. game. I, I I watched the Avs last regular season victory last night um, against Winnipeg, and, and it was it was interesting to see like the, you know there are eight guys in that game that aren't here during camp, and that's not counting like Cole and EJ and, and people that are injured. Um, and just sort of looking like, you know, Kerfoot was on a real hot streak at that point. And he played, he was playing very well, uh, with Mac and Landy. 
So it's just I, that's that's sort of prime me for sort of what I want to see out of Burakovsky. And it, it's not going to be the same thing, obviously, because yes, they're very different. But he needs to bring something such that that line can function at that level. Well, Kerfoot into the season absolutely cursed. Um, True. I, I don't remember how long he went without scoring, but he had a lot of scoring chances that his his stick just just, just swallowed in some yeah. way or another. So that would be a lot different if you got someone whose primary focus there is I'm going to put this puck behind that goalie. And that's you know that's probably more what that line needs if if they're going to keep you know someone besides Miko in that spot. You know I I've been a huge advocate that I think Miko needs to get away from Mac. Um, not permanently and not all the time, but to be able to leverage the talent that they have with those two, um, if they could find someone that could fit in like the way Kerfoot did when Miko was out, um, and be able to put Miko with, say, Kadri and Donskoy, uh, you know, that I would think be that could be interesting. Extremely fearsome to play against. It's different, like we said. Kerfoot is a setup man, Burakovsky's a shooter, and I wonder if you run into the same problem that why we want to see Ranton in away from Mac because you want him to shoot more. Does Burakovsky think, have the same problem? Right, but but I think Burakovsky What is our that. main criticism of Kerfoot when he plays with those guys? It's not that he's not passing to Mac or Landy, it's that he ends he up in a position finish. right, he ends up in a position to clean up a mess. And he wasn't able to finish. So if Burkowski can actually do that, I, I think that I think that ends up being more effective than you know, sort of what we were looking at with. It seems like Burkowski's plan A is to shoot. Like it seems like that he likes it. He wants it. He's looking to be in areas to shoot. He. I mean, is he more of a perimeter guy, or is he going to the the front of the net a lot? You're not going to pick that up from camp. Yeah. I would I mean, say... that—that's that, an important question because again, a lot of the things we saw with Kerfoot not being able to finish was like Mac would get a fantastic chance, maybe off the rush or maybe just sort of in zone, and there would be a puck in, you know, maybe not just a tap in, but you know, it, someone with a little more shooting prowess or maybe shooting mentality would have been able to get a better chance by. Know, the, the second sure. chance that was available. And, I guess this one instance I thought was kind of interesting was Mac was behind the net, kind of like where Miko usually would be, and passed to Burakovsky, who was out in front of the net. And I thought that was interesting, and that the drill was not set up to do that. That was kind of them finishing the play, and that's how they they ended up doing it. And I thought that was really interesting because we do not see McKinnon pass from that area at all. He's usually the one that would receive or Landy would receive the pass in front of the net for Miko. So I thought that looked interesting to me. Yeah. The part that I liked about Burakovsky in camp is one, he absolutely has the skating ability to keep up with Mac. And two, he has the size to go to the dirty areas. Will he? Remains to be seen. And Mac talks to him, so that that's our Mac half doesn't the just battle. talk to him. Mac gets <laughs> yeah, mad say, at him, man. Doesn't he <laughs> yell at him too? <laughs> he's been he's been salty all camp. Like 
he'll well, mess up a drill and, and flub a pass, and he'll turn and slam his stick against the boards. Like, he is an angry dude. I also want to say there's been friendly conversation between the two. Yeah. Just say he acknowledges him. If Mac doesn't really think take someone seriously, he doesn't acknowledge them. <laughs> right. It's Max competitive. He's gone from my out, sight. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. The plebes were speaking. <laughs> probably don't want to try old Nikushkin on a <laughs> line. I don't think McKinnon's going to yeah, acknowledge that. I just... <clears throat> but I... To go back to the original point, I think all the new guys have looked good. And Belmare, I think he needs to get a shout-out. He's been pretty good, too. Now, he might be the Calvert level. It looks good, a lot of try-hard, but it does seem like he's really embraced that role. He's, as they always say, the leadership and whatever. But Bednar took the time to point out that he thinks Belmare helped Greer have a good day. It was on Saturday. Which I thought was interesting that he said that without any sort of prompting or leading question that Bednar just threw that out there. So I thought that was... No, someone asked about Greer in that. No. Yeah, I think they asked about Belmare. Okay. But they didn't ask about Greer. So he, I thought that was... brought their mics from 1955. So it was <laughs> <up to here. laughs> I know. I always have to hold the iPad in my ear to hear the question. But, <laughs> but, but Belmare has good i think he's um and we'll see because we definitely need to see how how much he can do in a real game but yeah he's, a, he's certainly had a pot he's looked positive he's he's looked fast he's made plays he's played well with his line mates just greer and o'connor i wouldn't go as far as saying he looks fast well <laughs> fast enough fast for someone fast his enough. age <laughs> He looks non-slow, yeah. maybe? He, he, he doesn't look, look like a bum. He doesn't look like a bum. He looks like he was born to play a fourth-line center role, basically. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good, because I just went and signed him for two years to do it. Yep. Yeah. You're going to have a $7 million fourth-line. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've mentioned that Ian Cole is skating after double hip surgery, so that's important. Obviously, he's still got a long road ahead of him recovery-wise. Um, but I've been hearing that Eric Johnson looks like he's good to go too. Uh, uh, it's a problem uh, that he's not with the group. I think. Well, the the two days I saw between the sessions, uh, Cole and EJ were out there with I think the skills coach, and so EJ he had the shoulder surgery, so he's doing now skating. He has Right, so he he is working with the puck. It's not like he's not out there without a stick, but um, there's you know. a ton of conflicting info out there about EJ because yeah. he was a full participant in captain's practices before camp, and then they held him out of camp, and they said they expect him to join camp at some point. Well, there's only one day left, and he hasn't yet. <laughs> and when you look over when him and Cole are doing work, it's very, very basic stuff. Like I'm talking just skating around the rink in circles level stuff. And that might just be because that's what Cole's capable of, but it doesn't look like EJ's really putting a lot of stress on anything. Right. Which is funny. Like, do you really need Eric Johnson at this point to be trying at all? I mean, do you, I don't, 
I don't think having contact for him at this point is is a benefit to anyone. I think that goes down a long road that we probably want to go don't want to go down, which is what is really the value in camp or the value of camp in preseason and I mean, what for, veterans I, can get out of it. But for a 31 year old number one defenseman, I just don't think that there's that much, you know, I don't know. I think it there's, there's the conditioning aspect, which yes, all guys train, they know what they're doing and everything, but nothing is a substitute for NHL game speed and, and shape. And I think when you're not with the group, you are behind, regardless of if you already know the system, you already know your teammates. But there's a lot of new teammates, too. You could just say he, the, he'll only ever play with either like Sam or Zadorov, so he doesn't need to play with some of these other guys. But it, it still just puts him behind, and it's a concern because they kept saying he was at, on the same timeline as Zadorov last year. Well, Zadorov was in camp all last year. He just had a non-contact sweater, kind of like what Kanaten's doing. Like, he's participating and doing everything. He's just wearing the non-contact sweater. But it's not like he's not doing it. For EJ to not be part of the group, it is a concern because a guy at his age also can't just flip the switch. So... Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I fully agree. Like, if, if, if we're getting to the fourth game of preseason and he's still not practicing with the team... Then- you know that that's not good, right? Like, does does he he's he going to play in the first preseason game? No, does that no. matter? No, but right, like if he's not fully ready to go by those last two preseason games, then he's probably not going to start the season. And kind of the way that Bednar answered, I think, was either today or yesterday. But we might need some of these extra guys. I think yeah. maybe foreshadowed it a little bit. Well, that it was a setback. Probably from both EJ and the staff's, you know, perspective. If you <clears throat> if you don't need EJ to be at one hundred percent through camp and maybe even the first three or four games, um, you know, if you can get by with having you know, some of the you know, some of the younger guys, some of the new guys carry the defense. Um, you know that that only works out good for the team in the long run. But I think well, you know, maybe like we if don't. You're, if you're relying on pairs that are like Connaughton and Barb's, right? You know, it, that's that's you know, it, it might be bad, it might not, but it's definitely an unknown. And I, I just you know, I don't know how comfortable you that. Right? Maybe we don't want to quite go there yet. But if we're talking about it, meaning that like Byram and Rosen are playing. And you can get by with that. That's great. But yeah, if you're playing Graves totally and Barbario, <laughs> then <laughs> maybe not. But we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, and then Z's mystery injury today is concerning. Yeah, if he goes down, I mean, I there are some conflicting things out there about how Zadorov's looked. I think he's looked fine. I think he's settled into more of a vet role. He's been paired with Timmons when I've seen him. I think they work well together, but I think he's certainly playing more of a veteran type of game next to Timmons, which is probably what you want anyway if they play in a game together. But they're going to need Zadorov. I mean, if if he's actually injured, I yeah, you just scary. can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
let's be real, for Zadorov to look good at camp would require him to injure about three other people. So. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> what are people looking for? Like, he's not going to score the bar down goal in a drill. So. He could, though. Well, I mean, he, sure, anybody. He definitely could. doesn't get assist. He can score though. He could also have blown up about six different guys throughout yeah. the first couple days of camp, and he let up because they're his teammates. I don't know. Right, right, and it's like he's not a tryhard guy. He he's never going to look tryhard. So it, it doesn't look like he's taking it easy. Maybe, maybe to some people, I don't know. To me, I don't, I don't think so. But I never thought he was just this total lazy bum russian stereotype either but well, it, it, like we were talking about on discord yesterday it's like he doesn't look like he's going fast until you realize he's blowing pipe you know it's like he's so tall and he has a very long stride when he gets good you know when he starts to accelerate it's not something you really notice because it's you know it's just a big guy with long legs suddenly going very fast <laughs> and his and his it's and not going to look like, you know, Sam or someone that, that's got short legs. You know, it, I mean, you saw him on that treadmill. Feet. He can't be that slow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, in, in the first skate, in the conditioning skate I saw, and what they do is they go all the way down and back from goal line to goal line two and a half times, and they do that three times. He was leading his group by far in the first two heats of that in the second heat he was only beat by jost so if anyone was saying he was out of shape or slow that right there should tell you that's completely false well now and when everyone else was like dying on the ice he just walked off and straight to the lo- like he didn't even <laughs> care he was like okay we're done and so I heard graves was really good in that too so maybe there's something to be in six five yeah i can't yeah hurt. maybe so I would say Z was never at that level before, so you could say that that was an improvement for him. And we know that he's had consistency issues. I don't want to completely just discount that, but to me, I think he's had a good camp. Well, I mean, Let's hope we've he's seen, not injured. We've seen those off-season conditioning videos of, of like y'all mentioned, him running on a treadmill that his leg wingspan is longer than. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, maybe he's taken his own conditioning a little bit more seriously, and he's trying to shake this whole kind of slow starter label that he's starting to get for himself. Um, if you only pay attention to, like, mainstream headlines, you may be under the impression that one guy who did not survive the training camp skate gauntlet was Martin Kaut. Um, so, let's just that's, spend 30 seconds yeah. saying that's the point lay off yeah i I mean just i've i've honestly it's a new low of misrepresenting information (laughs) it's i is unreal how some it's just it blows my mind just how the same guy who thinks someone catches funny because he does it with the wrong hand (laughs) (laughs) it's just and then the headlines that you say First round pick Martin Kelt collapses. Well, you know, people know this guy had a heart problem. You yeah. see that headline and you think, oh my gosh, did something happen to him? I saw a one of those aggregators on Facebook say like old health issues pop up again or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, it's unreal. But yeah, the thing is, is that this test is so grueling and... 
and players literally lay on the ice after it. And Kaut was not the only one. This has happened every year they've done this skate. Even like McKinnon and EJ and some of these other, you know, quote unquote professionals will do it. They will if there was a picture of Burakovsky barely propped up after his skate. But Chambers spends five seconds looking out on the ice and sees just Kaut laying down and thinks he's the only one that laid on the ice after this skate. And it, you'd even look to the other side of the ice in his video and there's three other guys. They're either like down on a knee or at least like sitting on the ice. It's just, it's unbelievable to even single him out, first of all. And second of all, to even characterize it as collapsing or being incapacitated i think was another tweet he sent it was just the test is done and the guy go down and need a second and it's just and yeah how it's a little dramatic and he does things to be cheeky sometimes but that literally he was not the only guy that was laying down it's just unbelievable so here's the thing Cout did struggle with the endurance test. He was last in his group by a lot. And that's a concern. As Jackie said, and Kaut did this last year too, actually. Afterward, he kind of like plays up the falling onto the ice like, oh, I'm so excited. And he got a cheer for it at camp last year. People were clapping and laughing about it. And this year, he ended up falling on the side of the fans near along the the wall. So you couldn't really see him and he was just lying there. So, I definitely think he played it up a little bit, and it was actually not as exhausted as he made it seem. And, yeah, I, Jackie covered the rest of it perfectly well. It, <laughs> the, to allow that headline to go out is bad. Yeah, it, It's a joke, so how has he been outside of that moment of, I'm goddamn tired? He's been solid. I think he got better every day of camp. Um, but nothing spectacular. He never really had a moment that truly made you go, wow. So I think that's the kind of player he is though. I think it is. And that's why you, you have to wait to see preseason games to really make a judgment on some of those guys. I, I feel like, I don't know. It, some people expect him to be someone he's not. I, I don't know. Like, what's the bar? What's the bar to say this guy can play in the NHL? I just, I worry that people, including the abs, are waiting for him to be someone he's not. Like, are they square pegging him? He's not, he's not the perfect, easy abs mold kind of guy. Like, he's a little bit different, but he's still good. So, you I, I don't know if they're square pegging him necessarily, but definitely the Avs wouldn't be the first time they're waiting for someone to be something they're not. Yeah, and and I'm I'm starting to get really concerned. Let's just put it that way. We'll see how the rest of preseason and training camp goes. And I th I like him, so I know nobody really cares about my opinion. Like to me he looks good. <laughs> I don't think this is quite a Sam Gerard situation. <laughs> He, and he works good with good players. Like, he needs to find chemistry with certain players. I hate that line he's on with Drys. It is so bad. None of them do anything. 
Even Tynan, the guy that scored 70 freaking points in the AHL last year, looks like nothing in on that line. So <laughs> if, if that's their idea to, to do in preseason and in with the Eagles, well, God help them because they're not going to get any offense out of that line. So is it a limitation that Cout needs to be with Somebody that has talent, maybe, but it's like put two talented guys together and set it and forget it. It's like, geez. The same case for keeping McKinnon and Rantanen together. <laughs> <laughs> and he works good with Byron. There was this one drill where he like, they kind of ad-libbed a little and he made this drop pass to Byron who was able to skate. And Byron loves to do this, then skate way up and shoot a puck. It's like, this is good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Well, speaking of Byram, he's been he's been with Callie Rosen, and I what I've been really curious about Rosen all, all summer. And, I love that. Uh, I think all of us love that pair together. It's it's like they're both been good, and then together it just seems to work, which is also funny because they're both lefties. But hey, you don't have to have a lefty and a righty together to have a good pair. I keep forgetting Callie Rosen is a thing. Uh, that, that that's it. That's the statement. End of statement. <laughs> I keep forgetting. If you were at camp, you wouldn't because yeah. it's definitely a thing, and it's a good thing. And to me, that deal is a very equal cadre. And I I forget that Kerfoot was part of it, and I forget that Rosen came back in it. Um, so it's really encouraging to me that he's been able to stand out a little bit in camp too. I mean, I've been saying all summer, I think he's an ideal fit for a bottom pairing player. And yeah. I'd put five bucks on opening night being Byron Rosen right now, if I had to. Wow. Well, you'll, you'll Honestly, the seeing them to together, to I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. if, Especially if EJ's out, you can't just roll out like Graves and Barbario. You can't. You, you have to do something with the talent you have available. Oh, I... I didn't mean to get us into this conversation if we were ready, but <laughs> but but if we're talking about just Rosen, I think I think he's he's kind of what you would expect. Maybe I don't know that he moves the puck well, he skates well, he seems to read the play well, just does everything well, and then Byram and him read off each other really well. So it's just a good pair. I, it's like it's a it's good when you know it that make any sense you just like that 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 works <laughs> the the thing that really stuck out to me for him in camp is his defensive stick work the dude has an incredibly active stick and he does the thing that no abs players do in net front battles where he just cheats and clearly takes a holding the stick penalty but gets away with it <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's some toronto learning right there so no, that's good i mean uh... I think probably the battle might come down to Connaughton versus Rosen for, um, you know, a spot. And, and if the injuries are a little worse than we think, then, then maybe that's you know, academic. But um, comparatively, what what have you guys seen from those two? Can you weight one better than the other? Or, you know, what, are well, here's the thing. They have Connaughton with Josh Anderson. So... And Josh is really good. I mean, 
Kanaten is also wearing a pumpkin and right. has a metal plate in his face. So yeah, we yeah feel but like I mean, he's just just sort of getting a look at what these guys you know are have as far as available skills and. and I I feel like he's been involved though. It's not like Kanaten can't. He's participating. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we should mention that Kevin Kanaten tried to eat a puck uh, shortly before training camp. So he, he's tastes like some, chicken. Got some facial appearance going on right now. <laughs> It's yeah. hard to say. I mean, like I said, he's there. He's participating. I think he's been fine. It's just paired with Anderson. What What's the goal here? Does that mean, like, heck no, these guys aren't playing preseason, so we'll just put them together? Or are they waiting for, like, EJ to show up and he can replace Anderson and that pair is sort of like an NHL pair? It's it's hard to say. I wouldn't say he's been really good or bad. He's He's been all right, but... It's... I mean, is he... he... Is he better or worse than you expected? It's hard to tell because he's got the yeah. no contact jersey on, and especially in day three today, the the physicality did ramp up a little bit, and you could see players weren't leaning on him, so you don't really know. Right. I I'd say better. I mean, he just he wasn't been terrible, or I don't know what I expected, <clears throat> but I, I'd give him a positive. I mean, I I would give him. I'd slide him on that end of the scale, at least. I wouldn't say he was bad, so he was, he was fine. On the Rycroft scale of grading, he gets an A+, plus, and Rosen <laughs> gets an A++++. Plus, plus, plus. <laughs> uh, I mean, gotcha. a couple more pluses. So it, it is hard to see what kind of what their goal yeah. is here, but I think if he doesn't get cleared I'm... for a while, maybe he can start the season either. I don't really know but at least he is skating and participating so probably and when he does be a little clear... bit worried that that three of their <laughs> you know projected nhl defensemen are injured right now or maybe four yeah or maybe four now well <laughs> good thing they have nine <laughs> yeah about, about that nine plus byram ten is is there anybody else that we want to make sure that we talk about out of camp before we head in that direction do we want to talk about Byron specifically, or yeah, everyone I want to talk about is that direction? So yeah, okay, we'll we'll get to there in real shortly. But I do want to mention um, that Bowen Byram had shockingly good chemistry with Connor Timmins right out of the gate, and then we come to training camp, and there's a really good pairing that just works between Bowen Byram and Callie Rosen. There's almost like there's something in common there. Something that has two B's in it, yeah. <laughs> Something that rhymes with they O make, and I am. The, maybe he <laughs> makes other players better? Maybe? So there were 57 players on the training camp roster, which seems like a lot. And over half of them will be headed to other clubs come October. There's six Avalanche preseason... preseason. God, this is, this is a preseason cast and a half. There's six Avalanche preseason games between now and then. Two at home on the 17th and the 19th, and then a home at home over the weekend with the Stupid Wild. The home game is Sunday, the 22nd there. They'll have road games on the 25th and 28th, as well as, of course, the 21st. And that's that. So there's one more day of camp and then six preseason matches to kind of get an eye on who you're starting math. 18 plus goalie are going to be Colorado are set in net. Philip Grubauer is your starter and Pablo Prince is your backup. Uh, and I've been hearing decent things about Paul Frank. So that's encouraging. 
You can expect to see Landis Cog, McKinnon, Ranson in when the ink dries. Don Scoy, Kadri, Burakovsky, Calvert, Comfort, Jost, Wilson maybe eventually if he's healthy. Belmar. Um, so there's room for maybe one forward plus one for the Wilson spot in the opening night lineup. Well, you have Nieto in there as well. I knew that was um, a name I was missing. See, here's the thing. The Avalanche keep put their roster on the website. When training camp started, they put all 57 fucking names under their roster. Which Quality. I knew I would miss one. Matt Nieto's the one. So yeah, maybe there's room for one with the Wilson injury. I mean, it, if it isn't Val Nichushkin, who it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to see their... They're playing there with Nikushkin. It, I don't know if they're just going to hand him a spot. I, if you, if we're going based on what we've seen from camp, I'd say Kamenev and Greer should be their two options. We've said that about Greer for three years yes, running. I know. So we'll I say Kamenev. <laughs> it's... I know. I don't believe it anymore. But if, if we're having a discussion about camp, he has had a good showing. So and. Bednar specifically pointed it out too. Kamenev did look fantastic in the scrimmage today, which um, is good. I th- I thought he was maybe a little slow starting. Yeah, I agree. He was starting to flash yesterday on on Saturday, so I'm glad to hear he t- he turned it up today on Sunday. But Kamenev's problem is he's a center, and yes, Belmar can play the left side, but given the strong camp he's had. I fully expect Bednar to want him at center. They could try Kamenev on the wing. I don't know. I don't know. I I honestly think... I think he could play a center in the offensive zone with Belmar being the F3, and that could kind of work out. Um, Kamenev's on that that weird line in in camp. It's like... It's one of the burgundy lines. It's it's like a weird mismatch. (laughs) <laughs> but as as much as I don't love it, I think Jackie might have picked the sleeper here in Logan O'Connor. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's had a good rookie tournament. He's had a solid camp. If Greer isn't the guy, Cout we're just gonna assume isn't ready. Would they, would they keep him if they're not going to play him, though? I, I don't think they would. I mean, you got to keep... He'll, if we're talking 13th forward, not playing, I fully expect it to be Kamenev. <clears throat> I, I I would agree with that, because he's got to pass through waivers. You really don't want to send him down unless you absolutely have to. Especially if he ends up showing well in, in some of the preseason games. Then that's gonna, that's really going to force their hand. Every year, teams do that thing where they try to sneak in, like, everybody does a dozen guys on, at one time, and R- Renaud's Twitter is unreadable, because it's just the list of waivers. Um, Half of them are made-up names. Right. And everyone thinks, oh, we can sneak this guy in on that day, but then there's always four or five that just kind of swap teams on that day. That's that's where uh, Patrick Nemeth came from. Um, but definitely seems like Kamenev could be one of those guys that gets snapped up if you're trying to send him through. So, I mean, even if he's not an opening night lineup, I, 13th forward is probably the ideal. It does yeah, depend I mean, on... You're going to have things. to sneak it. You're, you're like, going to have to try to sneak both Kamenev and Greer down if if that's the way things fall. 
that's that's tough. Um, well, you know, there, if you there's lose three both, things. you're really kind of screwed. I think it's, you can get Greer through. It's just that if you bring him back, I think up he can later, too. Then you probably can't. Then they'll probably milk his ten games. If they get Greer through, they will milk that ten games the whole year. I think. Yeah, they'll they'll do like what they did with Graves last year. Just be like, no, he's nine games is fine, and you know we don't really want to call him up again. But, but it's it's hard to do the math right now because there's three big things that kind of determine how many of these guys they're going to be able to keep. It's Miko's one, obviously. Two is Wilson. You know, we assume this is just like a don't push him through camp kind of thing, but with his various ailments stacking up, you never know. And then three is how married are they to the Nikushkin experiment here? Because you seem like on a one-way deal, they're, they're just going to treat him like yak or whatever. But I mean, it hasn't him not being able to show up on time is not a good start. And he's not a try hard. And, you know, ha- at what point, how much better does Kamenev need to be than him to take that roster spot? If that's what it comes down to. I, I mean, I think if, if Kamenev is just better in general, I, I don't think they'd have a problem doing something to make him make Nichushkin go away. Which is just what, just stick them on the Eagles and say, oh well. No, buy them out. I I don't know if they'd admit their mistake to that. I don't think they'd ever send them down to the Eagles. I mean, the dude's never played in the NHL. I mean, that's that's not his deal. I don't think he wants it. I don't either, but it's really tough to see the end game here. So it's just. I I mean, I think it might be like some people (laughs) speculated that this was a PTO, but it was a year contract, so they're gonna have to pay out the wazoo if, if they have to, you know, terminate. It's just a bet that makes no sense, and I, I think it's really yeah. telling that everyone is expecting this to end either now or later with unconditional waivers. Yeah. Right, like even if you were keeping an open mind, it just hasn't been a good start. Yeah, I mean, not making it to camp on time. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, Russia may have some problems with their passport control or whatever, and, you know, maybe it was just impossible to get a passport within a month, but, I mean... <clears throat> was he just sitting there in Russia a month ago like, gee, I don't have a passport and boy, I hope the <laughs> NHL is a thing this year. And I, I hope I never have to leave <laughs> like, Russia at all. Like, it's not like there's yeah, it's foreign like, NHL <laughs> like Keep your passport current if you're going to play. I mean, come on. Um, just stay home so... when they go play Red Star. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's just, it, it is. And, and it's only been one day and you know, so, so maybe he turns out to be better going forward, but it's it's just hard to visualize that. Sure, it's just, even if you want to give it a mind. Like me, I do like Russians. I root for Russians in general to succeed and break the stereotype. But it's just, it's really hard. It's really hard to have any sort of benefit of the doubt. But we will know more in a couple weeks. Defensively, it's a little more interesting than this, um, especially with Ian Cole in the mental winter, and especially with Eric Johnson apparently questionable. So you've got Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, Nikita Zadorov, and uh, Space. Hopefully. Space for yep. Byram, Timmons, Rosen, Barbario, Graves, Connaughton. Like, there is a battle here. 
legitimately. It's Barbario and Graves have been paired together, and I do not like that pairing. It's just Barbario's too chaotic, and he like sucks Graves into the chaos. And then we know <laughs> Graves is not good when yeah, he Graves starts... isn't good with chaos. Yeah, wandering <laughs> into chaos. So it he's good with structure. Exactly. So he needs he needs to stay far away from Barbario. So I'm not I'm not writing Graves off entirely at this point, but yeah, to get something out of him, he needs to be managed a certain way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go down my list based on camp, uh, starting with if we assume EJ's healthy, you have your top four set. My bottom pairing would be Byram and Rosen, like I already said. Not only have they shown chemistry, I think they're the two best players with the highest ceilings to start the year. We can get Byram his nine-game test or however many games, and then if you want to send him back, fine. We can go from there. After that, based on camp, I would have Graves as my seventh and Connaughton as my eighth. Graves is the only one that really stood out as having a strong day at camp for me outside of Byram and Rosen. He had one very, very good day. Connaughton has kind of just been solid the whole time. That's fine. And honestly, Barb's has struggled. It, he has not looked good in camp. It's been a lot of up and down, and the downs are really down when he makes a mistake. Yeah, yeah it's it, tough I, for Barbario because I mean he's almost in a Timmons situation where he's not played for a year. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's some out there that like Barbario, and I, and I think it's some of what we talked about earlier. It's a lot of he always brings effort. I don't think you're ever gonna say Barbario didn't give effort or energy or try hard, but it's just it's chaotic. He's he's everywhere. Like just him defending the first day in drills. It's just like. It looks scary, like it looks disjointed, and it's just like, oh my god, this is a drill, and he's having a tough time it's, even containing someone on a drill. Right, it's the exact lack of consistency we were talking about earlier. He'll make a really nice breakout pass, and then the next time down, he'll flub it and turn it over right in front of his own net. Yeah. And it's like, oh boy. He has a and very we, high muffin percentage. <laughs> And we've seen it. We've we've seen the good Barb, and we've seen like last year's Barb, and even when he played in the AHL, it's just he's almost trying to do everything all at once, and he's all over the place, and he's giving energy and effort, but it's just it's not doing good things. And I I don't know if he can ever get back to the guy he was when he first became an Av. If it's the time off, if it's maybe any sort of issues he's had. Or- well, what if it's this? I mean, the level Lindholm of in the same boat. He and Lindholm look really, you know, they looked promising or better. Or I don't you know. They let's say they looked better than they do now on the horrible team. And, and I know they haven't you, looked good since. And I know that and, you always say, "Is it the level of of competition around them is better?" Like you're yeah. comparing them to better players now than. Back then, where if they did something good 50% of the time, that was like a win. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I, like, I can see some of that, that we're, we're seeing real competent defensemen, so our bar is raised. But he just was never that spastic out there. He just... <laughs> I, I think the time away has hurt him. Like, 
a guy like Nemesis was always more consistent. Like with Barb, you always had to live with the highs and the lows. But it's just like he just can't settle down. And and maybe if he plays a bunch of games, he will. But the way he is playing, there's just no way that he's going to get that kind of rope. And just to touch on Timmons as well, because he's sort of in this battle. He really kind of faded into the background throughout camp. He was kind of just a jag most of it. So it, he probably needed AHL time anyway, but unless he just goes off in some preseason games, I think he'll be there for a significant amount of time. So jag yeah, is a new one for expect. me. <laughs> just a guy. Just is that an guy. acronym for yeah. just a guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, incur- the encouraging thing with Timmons is that he's playing – He's fitting in. It doesn't. He doesn't look like a guy that hasn't played in a long time. Looks like he can keep up with the pace. But I do think if they're going to want him to be an impact player, to bring offense, to be able to play yeah. aggressively, he is going to need some time. And I will say one thing. I was. <clears throat> I don't know whether it was. I wouldn't allow myself to to believe it was possible, or you know, it just didn't seem possible. But I really didn't think Byron was going to get any games at the start of the season. I, I've kind of changed my mind on that now. I, I think just, yeah. just with what we're looking at as far as injuries, um, you know, we, we knew Cole was not going to be there, but just sort of with Johnson and Connaughton being iffy now, um, I, I think the percentage is a lot higher that Byron actually you know, starts out the season with the Avs. Again, I would... I, I w- I wouldn't limit it to nine games. Um, I I think if if he's good enough to play nine games, he's good enough to probably play until World Junior Camps, at least. Um, well, I, I, that I think that's sort of the bar that the Avs would want him to be able to clear if he was going to play any at all. And you know, he he looks like, you know, he could he could probably take a good shot at that bar now. So. I was a little skeptical myself just because the Avs are very much alike. You either make this team or you don't. And which is, that's right. kind of a lot of the mentality that we see with the AHL problem. You're either an NHL or you're not. Right. And so if they really felt like the best thing for him was at the end of the day, he's going back to junior, then send him back to junior. And they also don't want to have, like, a guy that's on the team that's not going to stay. You know, all of this. But I just think the way that he has looked, and, of course, we have to see him play that way in a game. But at this point, he is just so solid, consistent, intelligent, smooth. He can pass the puck. Like, one of the best players on the team already. It's just... it's You just... If you have that available to you, you have to use it. And I think they do at least, it's not like they have to decide on day one if he stays all year or not. So they can play him some games, play him some more, and send him back. And maybe they were already planning for that. I, I did find it interesting that Dater reported that his parents are planning on staying in Denver for the month of October. So maybe the Avs have already, you know, planned for that, figured that he was going to get some games. But even outside of that, his showing thus far, he's been one of the best players at camp. And that's everybody included. So 
right, but you just have to go with that. Just as a counter to that, like if they were going to stay in town, like wouldn't they want to stay with him? I doubt it. That you would know, be like, a, like where's he? He's probably stay? at the hotel. He's probably at the hotel. Does he want his parents in like? You know, he's crashing so he's every night. Living in a hotel, at... and his mom and dad are living with some cop and. <laughs> No, it's <laughs> down south. It's party every night at Gerard and McCarr's place, man. I don't know. Well, McCarr's in his own apartment. To He's yeah. moving out. So the weird thing with them staying in in town all October is that Colorado spent like half of it on yeah. the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So maybe they're just planning for the first four games, but that's always been kind of my. If you're going to keep them into the season, keep them for those first four because they're all at home. There's a lot of time in between. It's a good time for video, teaching, whatever. You have time for that. You have time to have a young player there. And then when they go on that road trip and they play a million games in two weeks, that's something else. They're just making preparations to be able to watch the team because they can't bank on altitude being a thing. (laughs) Yeah. But they don't live in Denver, so, so they can just watch it on like NHL Iowa, TV. <laughs> <laughs> so get rid of yeah, the Bowen Byram experience is what we're getting at here. Yeah. A little bit earlier yeah, I, I, than I, anticipated. Yeah. yeah. Much more likely than it was. I was always kind of on the nine-game test. It just The abs just don't follow those sort of protocols, and you could say... Well, they haven't had anybody in that position, but they don't call guys up to use the nine games either. It's just they didn't even use Sam Miko's nine games. Sam technically was in that position. They use some of Miko's games, though. Yeah. And when I say a nine-game test, I just mean some games. I don't mean the full nine necessarily. Yeah. But and... I, I do agree. After seeing him with NHL players in camp, it's it's certainly more likely that they they will give him it games and especially if ej or Kanaan can't play i mean you, you just cannot justify sending a guy with his talent level back to play here's some of my these point other dudes. Though, if he plays nine games then <clears throat> i mean how how does he look bad enough that you're like well that's fine let's send right. him back <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean he's I, not you know <laughs> i think you're on to something there Earl. i think well, it's Let's play three games and see how you look. And then if you're still here by game six, then buckle up, kid, because you're staying. Right. Right. That's why I kind of say that four game is more the cutoff. Right. Like if he's been good, but maybe we'll send, maybe you need another year, they'll send him back then. If he goes on that road trip, right, and plays, (laughs) you're not going to send that guy back. No, definitely. Well, it's. You get to the situation where someone has to beat him out of a job, and it's like, you know, I think, you know, the guys that are that would be technically below him are, you know, they're capable NHL players with more experience, but I just, I have a hard time seeing one of those guys beating him out, you know? I mean, how how bad would he have to be that you you want to send him back? Right, when you've gotten to that point, you're you've kind of already com- halfway committed it anyway. So right. might as well just keep him. Well, I guess we'll find out how that's going to go because yeah. uh, there, there's really not much else to say other than we'll see. But we yeah, have... I mean, there's you know there's so many moving parts on the defense that yeah. oh, it's just so unclear right now. It would be more clear if more of the parts were moving correctly. Mm. Finally, that too. 
we've made it all the way to the end, and nobody has said anything about our Rancidin signing tonight, so Miko Rancidin remains unsigned. It's a little surprising Mitch Marner went before he did, especially since it hasn't sounded like the two sides are far apart at all. Uh, any guesses as to the final numbers or when this thing is finally done? I do think Marner's deal probably did push the number up a little bit. I don't think it's a major difference, but I do think they probably saw that and Ransom is going to want a little bit more. The date is a total mystery. I would still be shocked if he isn't signed by the end of preseason, but we could see it dragging a couple games into preseason at this point. I'm not worried about it at all. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't think that Miko is a guy that needs a lot of camp to really do what he does. Um, he's that talented. I, I know that, that getting chemistry with line mates is important. You know, it's like if, if Burkowski's working out with McKinnon and the plan is to put Miko down with, with Kadri and Donsko or Kadri and someone else, then, you know, maybe, maybe it, it, it would be good for him to come to camp and you know, get a little time with those guys to get some chemistry, but I don't think it's going to hurt him either way. Um, you know, he's just that good. It's just, he's not a guy I worry about missing time. Well, I, I do say it's already, it's already a problem. Even right now that he's not signed, it's a problem. And, and I completely agree. Miko's like the safest bet. He's, he's just been an, professional and consistent his entire career going back to his in the AHL. You know, I don't worry about him, his conditioning, his game, none of that. But there's no substitute. It, there's nothing good that comes from missing. And I've always said when he signs, he's at least a week away from showing up. Now that he's behind in conditioning and medical testing, the skating test, he... We're probably looking at, we're just going to be lucky he's there opening night at this point. And he's not even signed right now. It's, I it's becoming an don't issue. don't buy that at all. I would be opening night's three totally away. flabbergasted <laughs> if he's not here on opening night. No, I, would be I would be surprised too, but is he signing tomorrow? Like, he could, but there's, there's also a pretty big chance he's not signing tomorrow. I Look, Joe got his hat trick in Vail, and now he's back and, and he's probably prepping for all the stuff he's got to call Finland in like three hours when everyone gets up so yeah he was too I, I busy signing get... autographs 24 yeah. 7 at training camp exactly. <laughs> the poor guy well hey if, uh, it, if it happens tomorrow everyone listening to this podcast and it's happened that's great but he's still on the verge of not being able to play any kind of preseason if I, it I even it happens, happens this tomorrow. week at some point I, I don't know. I'm honestly surprised it's gotten this far. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a... It, there's a fight here. It doesn't feel like one of those contentious situations. It, But it's ridiculous it's gotten to this point. There's just... if I mean, I think if there was, you know, a, a serious urgency on either side, it would have gotten done, but there just doesn't appear to be that. There is. I mean, if there's not urgency right now, then... Yeah. Then it, the then I, I have jury duty on Tuesday, so I figure it's going to happen <laughs> if I get impaneled and, and I'm sitting in court for all, all day or something like that. I think <laughs> it could go to the first week of of like 
the beginning of the week. They don't play till Thursday or whatever. I think it could go even until like that Monday or Tuesday. And then he might not even play the first week or so. I could see that happen at this point. Because if you pass the camp starting as a deadline and you nothing happened, then the next deadline is missing regular season game. And we're not there yet. So, you know, maybe Marner pushes it through, but just like we didn't see eight RFA signing over the weekend either. Like it's, it's a data point and it helps, but there's still things that are going on in these negotiations. And we've heard reports. They've kind of agreed on long-term, maybe it's six years. To me, that's kind of the biggest hurdle. So if they've agreed there to me, the, the dollars per year is, is a silly thing to let it get to this point. But, Look at it this way. Pretend that they they could have signed a three-year deal basically at any time over the past two weeks. But the fact that it's a longer-term deal, it's taking a little bit longer. I mean, that's worth it, right? Yes, it's worth it for the Avs to get term. I agree. So, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of what I'm looking at because, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure if both sides... We're like, oh, screw it, we're not going to get a long-term deal done. Let's just do a bridge deal. It probably would have been done before camp. Or, you know, maybe, I mean, we've had a bunch of bridge deals over the last week or two. So, you know, close. <clears throat> so I, I think the time that he's missing in camp now is worth it. Because if they, they do end up with a six-year deal. Well, we um, just never know when they agreed to the six-year. But that. That's the other thing. Like, yes, I think it's right. important for him to get the longest term the Avs can get. But we don't know when they cross that threshold. I mean, he's yeah, only going to was on, would only play in like two or three games anyway. So if, if he misses the first play. two, who cares? Well, sure. Even though I yeah. still would think there's more value in having but Yes, having him for like the last two preseason games is what you'd want to have, but I, they're even on the verge of that at this point. So I think you're way overestimating how long it's going to take him to be here. Like, I think the papers will get signed and he'll be here two days later. I don't, I don't think so. And even if he is, he still has to do those, go through those things before he can even join the group. Like, can he do it all in one day? Maybe, but we're we're talking about adding more and more things. Zadorov did it in a couple. I mean, he lived in Miami. He was in the States, but it, I really don't think it takes that long. He he was like a good week until he was able to show up. And then he needed even time to do all uh, the conditioning. And I think things. it was about three days and he needed time because he showed up way out of shape, which Ranton and yeah. won't do. <laughs> <laughs> He's also skating with like children. It's, it's not it's like he's going to be behind. You know, is he not Zadorov behind? Maybe not. But then again, this is also going on longer, too. We're already in. We've seen Miko's week. workouts in Finland. I mean, he plays floorball all day and badminton and stuff. He's in way good shape. Yeah, Liney's not even signed yet, so he's got a buddy to hang out with. Yeah. Well, they're dwindling by the day, so I, I'm i well, not badminton pleased with the situation. Hardcore. I think he will show up eventually, but it's not good. I mean, 
the expectations and the things that a lot of people hope and maybe expect for this team this coming year, you just can't have one of your best players not 100% for whatever reason. It's a problem. And if they get out to a slow start, if Migo gets out to a slow start, it guys that aren't on the proper timeline get injured more easily. If he gets injured, they, you're just they're already asking for a whole bunch of problems. It so. I mean, that's kind of a projection though. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of correlation to sure, causation it, things going on. I'm just saying, can they afford any of that? No. I mean, on the flip side, he could break his face in a preseason game if he was here, so. Sure. Just ask cannot Fall down the stairs getting out of the airplane like Gerald Ford. Well, yeah, any anything can happen, but you can't just say it's not a non-issue. Well, they, they put in a lot of work this summer to make it to where losing one top-end guy isn't the end of your offense. Like, they have a real yeah. second line that they just went out and bought. So, I mean... It, uh, Miko getting off to a slow start would not lessen the team's expectations more than like a point or two. Hey, you never know. A point or two might might be the difference. We're going to talk about expectations on our next show. Um, but if a point, a point or two makes the difference, I think that's pretty clearly a step backward. <laughs> Every Everything matters, right? Every point matters, every goal, but... <clears throat> If you want an official prediction, I think it'll be six year around nine. I think the Avs will probably get him under nine million. I think, which will probably shock a lot of people. Do you think Miko is the kind to get one of those little cute deals with his jersey number in it? No, <laughs> I hope so. It's worth the extra no five hundred k. Is he gonna get like all all the signing bonus money? That that's been a debate. Where are the Avs willing to do that? Is that even a sticking point? It shouldn't be. Yeah. I think they'd do it if they had to, but you know, it, if they agree on term and the dollars, and and he's not showing up because they refuse to give him more of it up, they could front, sell altitude. That's absolutely absurd, right? That's. <laughs> <laughs> Too much negativity here. Hockey is back on the ice. And on a positive note here. Oh, you mean that we don't have our best player, we don't have a television network, and the CBA will probably be opted out tomorrow. <laughs> you mean all that positivity? That may I mean, be what he's waiting for. He may, we may be waiting to hear whether the, the league are going to open up the CBA on Monday or not. <laughs> but other my, than that, hey... My, my Why bet is the Avs have no problems on October 3rd, so. I'm there too. My and favorite so, part like... of all this is that the Avs have so much cap space that there's really no reason to quibble with Miko Rantanen over a, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I agree. <clears throat> Let's get it done. One thing that was very interesting, I don't know if you all caught Pierre Edward, Bill Mars. Uh, um, vid that he did on the Avalanche site. <clears throat> but he said one thing that they sort of followed as a philosophy in Vegas was that every game is not do or die. It's not crucial to win every game. You've got to be able to you know, take it easy 
uh, be able to try things. And I thought that was a really good attitude as far as a difference from what it seems like Bednar thinks. Um, because we, we kind of have seen like every game is way too important to do this or that. Um, and I, I'm interested to see if that attitude maybe rubs off on the coach a little or maybe you know that's something that Bednar has thought about over the summer. I, I will <laughs> because... say I think he's an interesting person too. He seems very philosophical yeah. and, and willing to share it. So yeah. that's kind of interesting. My more takeaway with that was like he was saying it's important to focus on consistency because that's yeah. what you can fall back on when you're in more critical situations such as the end of the season or playoffs because – it's not like this game matters the most and you have to win this one. It's it's that you're playing your game, that cliche, but it's a way to do that. Exactly. It's it's not you can't go into every game like, oh my god, we have to win this one, you know. Uh, and I I think that that's a <clears throat> I, I think that's a great view to bring into the locker room because I think some of the times that we've seen collapses by this team they do get in that, oh my god, we have to win this game, and then they don't, and it just snowballs. And I think that's part of what we saw between early December and mid-February last year. And if you get a guy like Belmare that can bring an evenness and an ability to say, like, look, it's okay, we lost, but there's 40 games left, you know, we got this. You know, we just have to be consistent in what we do for those 40 games, and we'll be fine. And you know, if that can rub off on on the coaching staff and and the players and everybody, I, I think this team will be a lot more consistent. It's definitely an interesting contrast from a guy like McKinnon, who we is just so intense and kills at people in the second day of training camp. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he lives and dies with every touch of yep. the puck. It's it's Exa- a lot. That's exactly who I was thinking about <laughs> when when Belmare was making those comments. I'm just like. I want you to hang out with McKinnon on the road. Like, yeah. I know you don't have roommates anymore, but geez, it'd be good to spend some time with the. <laughs> and we and we used to characterize Duchesne as the intense one. <laughs> like, obviously, every game matters, every point matters, but yeah, you you cannot destroy yourself because you went eighty-one and one. Right. That it's like, you you just got to look at it like, you know, we're going to win 60% of our games. And that's, you know, we got to figure out how to do that. It's not winning tomorrow night's game that's the most important thing of the season. Yeah, it's winning six of the next ten. Maybe tomorrow's one of them. Right. But that's, that's one thing that this team does seem to struggle with is knowing how to lose and how to be behind. And then, and then, you know, do the next Have a short memory. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's very encouraging from a signing that's been a little bit questionable from from a lot for a lot of people just because of different factors. But if if he can bring a mindset that kind of moderates the uh, some of that you know long memory stuff, it might be helpful. Yeah, I I I've I've hated the signing, but it's it's tough because I really like him as a person and as a player. And it's just that it's tough that they had to go out and get a guy like that <clears throat> on top of everyone else they already had. I'll say I'm positive on him as well thus far. I, I'm i more concerned with a guy like Wilson. I I like Belmare better than 
Wilson at this point. We'll see. We'll see how he plays. Obviously, that's important, too. Yeah, shout out yeah. to Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Um, and we will see how much of that wears off and how much of a, of a strong effect it has. We will be back in your ear holes after the preseason. Um, we're going to go two weeks, and we are going to chat probably shortly after the last game of the year, assuming that we're able to watch it. It is on the road, so we may be able to watch it. Um, not on altitude, though. <laughs> At least not in Denver. <laughs> That'll be done by then, too. I mean, you got to hope so. Ooh, that's bold. That's true. Does Miko sign first, or does altitude come back on the air first they ink a partnership deal where miko gets to be on every segment of avalanche 360 <laughs> <laughs> he should be in it's every not, commercial it's avalanche 360 with miko ranton and not with jerry <laughs> there there <you> <laughs> so we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk to you about miko ranton's new tv show um, in the meantime, you can check us out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on iTunes, Google Play, your favorite RSS-based feed podcast catcher um, or on, of course, burgundyradio.com. We head up to the dirty areas. We have made it through July. We have made it through August. It is finally just the preseason left to survive. See you on the other side. I missed such a great opportunity. I got the jag part, but I, I totally should have said Connor Timmons was a jag off. He was just a guy this off season. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought you were going to say. say and I was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was not what I was expecting. But that's what I thought was coming though.